Hello, hello. My name is Meg Pritchard. I'm the marketing executive at Pacific and New South Wales. And I can tell you right now, I am so excited to be here talking to all our wonderful listeners. Welcome to Pin and Point Recruitment Podcast, a female-led podcast full of recruitment advice, job-seeking tips, and market insights. It's mine as well as my team's first ever podcast, and we can't wait to share with you everything we have to offer. Today's podcast is hosted by Lindsay Menezes, our MD, who will be going through the history of the wonderful Pace Vic and New South Wales and the huge transformation we've gone through over the past 12 to 18 months. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Lindsay Menezes. I'm the MD of Pace Vic and Pace New South Wales. Thank you for tuning in to our Pin and Point with Pace podcast. We decided to develop this podcast on the back of our Pin and Point with Pace webinars, where we have invited hosts to talk about industry relevant issues to shed light on their strategies and journeys. So as part of our podcast, we actually want our network to get to know us a little better. We look forward to sharing short segments, highlighting what it is that makes us unique, but also why we love this industry so much. Given this is our first dedicated podcast, we thought it would be a great entry point to talk about the identity growth of Pacific and Pace New South Wales post-COVID and who we are in the market. So it has been a journey. If we rewind back a little bit to 1990, I look forward to telling you how it all started. If you've worked in the international trade, supply chain, logistics, and procurement industries for some time in Melbourne, there's every chance that you've heard of Pace Appointments before. The Pace Appointments founder, Marika Adams, formed the business back in 1990. This was in the midst of a global recession, but her unwavering belief that she could provide an intelligent consultancy service to the international freight forwarding, customs brokerage, shipping, and then international trading industries from a recruitment perspective meant that the Pace Appointments brand has remained strong in delivering specialized recruitment until today. Flash forward to now, the Pace brand has offices Australia-wide with directors designated in offices located by state or region to best service their market. So what's her story? How did Lindsay start out in recruitment to become Managing Director of Pace Vic in New South Wales? Now, much like what feels like the majority of the industry, I fell into recruitment back in 2016 at Pace Vic. By 2017, I had the opportunity to start buying into directorship at the Pace Vic office, which seemed like a great idea at the time. I don't know if you're like me, but in my mid-20s, I was shocking with money. So I look back very happy with the investment of my commissions. I had spent a year learning the Pace way. One thing Mareka taught me that stuck was good recruiters are not psychologists, they're information gatherers. The practices I was taught and still followed today were ethical, logical, old school and personal, but really the main method was about getting the facts straight with thorough detail and presenting to candidates and clients to hopefully land yourself in placements. As I continue to navigate through recruiting, running a business, setting up processes, figuring out how to use tech to my advantage and then slowly learning how to manage a team, I was becoming aware that whilst our traditional methodologies were proven to be successful, I really had this ability to start shaping Pace Vic into a recruitment agency that aligned with my values. So I really wanted to modernize the way that we did business. Um, but at the time, I just didn't know where to start. And so I started with small improvements. 
I ran such a lean team at the beginning and I was completely involved in the process. So my ear was totally to the ground and I was starting to hear feedback from clients and candidates about recruitment agency experiences that were not positive. More importantly though, for me, I wanted to know what it was that they did like or what it was they wanted and how could I make this service better for them. Through 2018 and 2019, we were in a slow build phase, growing by an average of 30% year on year. That was amazing. We were gaining client and candidate loyalty and retention. The standard that we held ourselves to meant that we were consistently delivering a premium service time and time again. But I really just had not cracked the code to making Pace Vic an extension of myself and my team. Um, it didn't reflect necessarily the values that I upheld. Yes, it was great, but it just didn't feel like an extension of me. I was somewhat conservative though. Um, I really didn't want to stand out with this fear of perhaps being judged if I was visible. So I just sat under the radar operating what I would refer to in part as a lifestyle business, though I absolutely was not living the lifestyle I wanted to as I was working such crazy hours. With the help of a global pandemic, Lindsay decided to take Pace Vic to the next level, and here's how she did it. I had known I wanted to take the next step in modernizing how we operated and presented ourselves, but honestly, I was complacent, and the way that we were doing things was working, so I just put modernizing in the back burner as, you know, when we have time in the future, I'll get to it type project. I look back on that time and think, yeah, we were really good at our jobs, we could build relationships, but there was that transactional element to what we did. At the time, I didn't think we were transactional, but looking back, we totally were. And it made us money, but being transactional or two-dimensional isn't particularly inspiring, is it? Well, 2020 hit and everything changed. <laughs> Can I just say, there's nothing like a pandemic to force you to rethink everything. In March, when lockdown was announced in Australia and we really did not know what the real impact of this virus would be, I honestly wanted to lie under a weighted blanket and watch reality TV to distract me from the overanalyzing how catastrophic this could be for my business. But of course, lying under a blanket and watching The Real Housewives was not going to help me pay my bills, let alone my staff wages, and nor was it helpful for me to deal with the hundreds of candidates who were being let go from their jobs that filled my inbox and voicemail in that first week alone. Let's not forget my clients, because they were struggling too. They, like me, didn't know what this meant for their businesses either. In that first week, I ditched my pencil skirt and heels combo for leggings and Ugg boots. And uh, to be honest, half the week, I don't look back <laughs> up until today. I needed to do some serious reflection and it literally dawned on me that the only way I could survive was to be different. So yes, we would definitely keep the foundational processes um, that we always had because um, they were successful and they worked, but we wanted to integrate them with a new approach, which focused on kindness. It focused on information sharing, transparency and empathy. Now, I should clarify, in no way will we ever cut throat sharks in recruitment pre-COVID. My team and I were always ethical, kind, we followed best practice, but we didn't put our network and community above ourselves in the way that we do now. We didn't have that innovation at that point in time either. So how exactly have we transformed our practices? What's changed about our interactions with candidates as well as clients? 
I mentioned before that I had always wanted to fly under the radar and I guess that just came from a place of not really feeling like what I had to say or what information I could share would really add any value to anyone else. If anyone is listening to this and this resonates with you, please stop thinking that thought immediately. Everyone has their piece to contribute and their experience to share. What you have to say may not resonate with everyone, but it will resonate with someone. In 2020, I realized that I was in this position that I hear feedback from hundreds of people every week. There were trends in that feedback. And so we started putting together our LinkedIn posts with the purpose of sharing some common challenges, some common trends, some common feedback and sentiments. As time progressed, I saw the human connection increase through platforms like LinkedIn as we were locked in our homes and realized the need to add a professional flair to our communications. So I appointed our marketing executive, Meg, in November 2020. This just felt to me at the time like a financial risk. I knew I wanted to invest in it and I was a little bit scared. But the reason for that was we had a team of five and instead of hiring a marketing professional, I could have hired a recruiter first. That makes sense, right? It's a revenue raising quick fix. Um, You know, from a financial perspective, I feel like there would likely be other agency owners that would think I was totally daft investing in marketing with a team of my size. But for me, it was important that we were investing in our network by providing them with a current professional resource base via LinkedIn and soon our updated website. So stay tuned for that, Um, which meant that marketing has been an investment that has allowed me to further share our USP. This has allowed us to attract uh, talent to work for me as well. And through marketing and investing in marketing post-COVID and prioritizing that, we have become a visible player, growing our recognition across um, our clients and candidates who we hope to do work with. Recognizing we were operating at a somewhat transactional level was a big awakening. Now, it's probably not a bad idea for me to define what transactional meant to me. So pre-COVID, yeah, we did absolutely invest in relationships. We were proactive. We made decisions based on the best outcomes for our clients and candidates before ourselves. So maybe you're thinking, well, that seems like you're adding value and that's not transactional. However, I would argue that this approach is just the basics of what a good recruitment agency should provide. No bells and whistles. It's just what we should be doing. We did not give back and share our IP like we do now. We did not connect groups of people outside of just a job match transaction like we do now. We needed to reposition ourselves in the market with a really strong USP and then we needed to move forward And take this a step further to act like a strategic partner to our clients and candidates. So through understanding our network's challenges, we have been able to reposition our offering to assist in smoothing over their issues and also tailor a process or a package that will best fit them to move their businesses or their career advancements forward. Our processes needed a revamp. They were old school, they worked, but we needed to better employ technology to ensure that our candidates and client experience was delivered to the highest standard. Going through COVID meant that the volume on the candidate side had reached new heights. It was just crazy coming on a Monday morning and seeing the huge amount of unread applications that would just sit in your inbox. So it did become extremely important to us to better manage those applications in a way that candidates felt they were being cared for in such a turbulent time. But I also, from a commercial perspective, didn't want to cause a humongous time burden on consultants because 
They could have probably hired someone specifically designated to just go through applications, to be honest. Um, we went through a full system implementation to JobAdder um, and we heard in the market that that was a really great system that allowed a favorable customer experience based on their market reviews. Um, automation tools have also allowed us in doing the most important part of our job, which is relationship building. So whilst we network and create meaningful commercial relationships, we have tech in the background collating data that we can use to our advantage. One of the complaints I'm sure you have heard before in the market about recruiters is that we're not accessible enough. So using tech has meant that we have been able to be more accessible. Instead of doing the nitty gritty admin, we are there building relationships. I also came to the conclusion that 360 degree recruitment was not working for us. Now, those who are not across what that means, 360 recruitment or 360 degree recruitment rather, is when the recruitment consultant wins new business, they manage the job, they attract a suitable shortlist, they um, present candidates back to the client, they organize interviews, references, hopefully place the job, and then manage post-placement aftercare, only to go through that same process again and again. If you drop your car off for a service, you don't expect the same person to manage every part of that service. And this is where I felt that the 360 model was better left behind for us. To better manage the candidate experience, client experience, and improve our conversion rate from job to placement, I started to pull apart the 360 degree process, creating three main functions, which is business development, which is you know the attraction and relationship building of new clients, delivery, which is true recruitment consulting, placing roles, and candidate management, which is managing those applications, as I mentioned before, candidate experience, and mapping that candidate's journey. I got really specific on how we needed to define the accompanying responsibilities to ensure the most seamless transition to our clients and candidates. And can I just say this has completely worked in our favor in terms of engagement from clients and candidates, knowing that they have a multitude of different people working their hardest to get them a role or get them that role filled. Um, it's been a game changer for us. Since stepping away from 360, what exactly has our team noticed? What's changed? There was definitely a point in my career where early on I thought uh, being a jack of all trades would work really well for me and I was wrong. Initially, I felt taking on roles outside of my specialty from clients would mean that they would, come to, they would become more loyal to me and I in turn would make more money. So this was completely not the case. Um, now, I didn't used to take on any old random role, but I look back at some assignments and I cringe because I just wish I never took them on board. So now I make it very clear to my team that we are only to work on roles that are totally within our niche, with the exception of a role being a strategic advantage to us. And our client who gives us that role is completely aware that we are not specialized in that space, but they feel it's a strategic benefit to them for us to place it because we understand their business inside out. Now, not only does this make our recruitment process far more clear and rewarding, but our candidates have a much better experience from us um, as future roles that we get, market knowledge that we can share and insights that we can provide back to them now have relevance. Uh, niching allows us to not collect a graveyard of candidate profiles on our database and rather actually be genuine in saying that we want to be your long-term partner. Um, when we interview candidates, we say we don't want to just be here for this one job. We want to be here for your career future. 
So this gives us credibility with our candidates, but it also gives us credibility with our clients because we now understand our niche inside out. and We can sell with ease as to why we are the recruitment, recruitment partners to engage for a specific role. Pre-COVID, I used to watch my purse strings. Now, I still watch my purse strings, absolutely, but I have been able to create more meaningful budget spends to enhance the performance of my people, inclusive of marketing, training and development, and very importantly, team social events. The return on investment has been huge. Team buy-in at Pace Vig has, and Pace New South Wales has reached new heights. There's a quote from Richard Branson, which I really like, and it's simple. It's just, take care of your employees and they will take care of your business. It's a career-changing experience as a manager when you realize through rewarding your staff by offering training or lunches if you hit a team goal, how much more committed they are to the company and its vision. The return on investment of these spends is literally a podcast topic in itself. Um, But if you're listening to this and you have the influence as a manager or supervisor to redirect budget to your people, please do it. I can hand on heart tell you with full confidence that this is the best money that you will spend. I can absolutely vouch for how different work feels when you have a manager or leader who not only invests in you, but believes in you. Our team is just so united and for me, it just feels like so much more than work. So outside of our team, what changes have we noticed externally? How have we responded? Our pace values are personal, authentic, conscious and excellence. I want to talk about conscious because for me, it wasn't just about printing less, even though that's important, we all need to do it. Um, While we continue to be conscious in our recruitment methodologies, I felt we needed to increase our consciousness to the community. One beautiful thing that came out of COVID was human connection. Um, So initially, even though we were all apart, we were able to get a better understanding of each other going through such tough times. And we saw initially people rallied together, people supported each other. That for me was so moving to see. Commercially, on LinkedIn especially, we saw leaders give up their time to offer free advice. They use their platforms to shine a light on businesses or industries that were struggling. As a business owner that was fortunate enough to end up running at a profit during that financial year, um, you know, I felt it was essential to give back to the community. So I sat down with my team. We picked four charities we wanted to partner with and decided that for permanent placements, our clients could choose which foundation we would donate $250 to on their behalf. Recently, I just made these payouts. And can I say, I felt elated. Recruitment is such a special fulfilling profession in itself. So this was just a cherry on top. It has also meant that I've been able to attract like-minded individuals into my organizations, uh, ones that genuinely care about making a difference and putting people before profit. And that does make all the difference when you try and build a team with aligned values. So there you have it. That is an overview of the change of direction I have had as a business owner, which has evolved in the offering and identity change that Pace Vic and Pace New South Wales has in the market. I can honestly say now that with the shift in our operating practices, I've just never felt luckier to be in this industry. Um, So, you know, the journey's been so well worth it and I'm so excited for the future. If you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at lindsay at pacevic.com.au. That is L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at pacevic, P-A-C-E-V-I-C.com.au. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching you next time on Pin and Point. 
What an incredible first podcast. We are so excited to continue to share with all our listeners through facilitating valuable discussions and perspectives. If something in this podcast stood out to you or you're thinking about engaging our services, we would love to hear from you. As Lindsay said, send her an email or even connect with us on LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel. There is so much more to come. See you next time.